your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views. And the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car toss starting right now. Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We know your time is valuable, so we work hard to bring you the best in automotive content and interviews. You can listen to us online at readthedriven.com, on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Read the Driven. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Kansas City's historic West Bottoms. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield. I'm here with Vern Estes. No longer the master of all space and time. Forever I will be the master of all space <laughs> yeah, and time. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Uh, he, Vern's a Shelby expert and owner of the world's lowest volume car dealership, <laughs> Vernon Estes Classics. We also have in studio with us tonight Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports. Uh, back again. A return guest. Yeah, I can't uh, believe he'd sign on for this <laughs> twice, man. Two times in a row. The yeah, there for you punishment. go. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this week, so uh, let's get to it. I got to cover the leak lake. Pardon me, I got chastised for that one. Uh, the lake auction in Tulsa last weekend. With Gary and, and Muffy, how are they doing? They are doing great, and they're making a lot of changes to that auction. Uh, they're working hard, and they seem to have stolen an awful lot of personnel from Barrett Jackson. Interesting. Uh, the auctioneers for the weekend were uh, Spanky and Amy Asseter, legends of the business. Yes, absolutely, and a lot of other Barrett personnel was running around that. River Spirit Expo Hall in mm-hmm. Tulsa. That is a gigantic hall. Yeah. And I was there three days, and each day I walked at least five miles in that hall. I saw quite a few buddies posting Facebook updates from the uh, from the auction. It looked like a really professionally set up venue. It looked it, really good. It was, and they had tons of stuff to offer. And though they didn't have any, you know, uh, seven-figure cars, they had a lot of six-figure cars and sure. had some pretty good-looking stuff, um, and they just had lots of stuff. I think they said they had over 500 lots, and the biggest part about that is that over 50% of them were no reserves. They had tremendous sell-through. And I hear you fell in love with a uh, with a little Fairlane. No, no, no. Uh, but they did have a 69, 60, 68 or 69 uh, Torino GT, ah, Torino, Torino GT, R code car, and it sold for twenty eight grand. And I'll bet you whoever did the resto on that had at least four times that in it. Yeah, they're cool cars. The restoration on it was stunning. I'm not even a big Torino fan, and I was just looking at that, thinking, "Geez, uh, somebody went to a lot of trouble to really do a fantastic job on that car." Pretty sure the paint didn't look that good when it was new. Sure. Um, no orange peel in it, huh? No, no, it was quite no overspray, nice. no orange peel, none nope. of that. Good looking car. Um, had a '67 uh, Corvette uh, 427 tri power car, 435 uh, red over red with a black stinger that was really pretty, and then side pipes and bolt on wheels and two tops and everything there. And I think that may have been their high sale for the auction, and it was just shy of 300 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just lots and lots and lots of stuff and a ton to cover. And uh, 
Had a couple Shelbys. Sure. Couple. Probably not anything you'd be chasing, but uh, there was some stuff there. Had a. Uh, it's all too expensive for yeah, me. Yeah, I, sure. I, I was unaware of this car in 07 or 08. Did they do a, a GT500 Hertz? Car? Yeah, uh huh. 06 and 07. 06 were uh, were hard tops, fastbacks, and uh, 07 were convertibles. Okay, five hundred each year. It was an 07, uh-huh. uh, black with gold, black interior, uh, black custom wheels, all that stuff. And I think it said it had about six thousand miles on it. It was a no mile car. Yeah. Uh, also had a uh, two eighty nine FIA slab side replica that mm-hmm. was there, and I think. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, fast lane. Uh, the guys over in St. Louis sure. showed up with a pretty good GT40 replica. Yeah, yeah, very uh, cool. And I ran into the guy uh, from Fastlane, the owner, and talked to him for a second about it. Anyway, neat auction, a lot of stuff to cover, uh, just tons there. But man, what a gigantic haul! Mm-hmm. And you know, walking back and forth trying to cover everything, just lots and lots of steps every day. Had three days in a row of twelve thousand steps or more. Sure. So. A lot of stuff. And uh, I just got back from Tulsa, and I understand you're leaving. Yeah, I'm, I'm going in the opposite direction tomorrow morning. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going down to the uh, the 45th annual uh, Mid-America Ford and Shelby Nationals. Oh, cool. Uh, it takes place over the course of four days. It's at the Southern Hills Marriott All right. uh, in Tulsa is at least the host hotel. But Thursday and Friday, uh, you're out at the road course at Hallett. Okay. Uh, and then Saturday, you have drag races at Tulsa Raceway Park. And then Sunday, um, you have a full car show in the the Southern Hills Marriott parking lot, which includes everything from driver cars, late models, old cars, and then a full concourse venue. So probably between 15 and 20 full concourse cars to get judged. It's one of the three major concourse events of the year. The whole lobby is full of Boss 429s over the course of the weekend for about eight cars, Boss 9s, Shelbys, all in show condition inside the hotel lobby. So you generally spend, I mean, it's it's mostly about the people, not even so much about the cars, even though there's plenty of cars there. Uh, But you spend you know, to the waking hours of the night in the lobby talking to old buddies about Shelby. So it's it's a ton of fun. And the best part really is, is actually I forgot to mention Thursday night, right when you get down there, I'll leave at noon tomorrow and get down there maybe at f- between 4 and 5 o'clock. You head straight down to this area that's kind of similar to the West Bottoms called the Brady Arts District, mm-hmm. Entertainment District, which is a bunch of old warehouses, nice little downtown area with a bunch of restaurants, and all the people who have cars that they drive head down there. They have this big cruise in in the city square, and then you just kind of walk around have a casual car show, and that's oh, really very one cool. of the most fun parts. So, so are you just uh, observing down there, or are you part of any judging? Or uh, I'm part of the judging. I help, I help judge the cars, but I've been going for like 10 years, so I just – it's – to me, it's one of the shows that I go to every single year. It's run by a friend of mine, really a group of a, a group of friends of mine, uh, who have been doing it forever. It started out as a picnic in the mid '70s in a guy's backyard and turned into one of the biggest uh, Shelby shows in the country. No kidding. You got the SAC uh, National Convention, and you've got this. Are really to me kind of like the two highlights of the entire year. So. Sounds like a good time, man. And it's going to be nice and cool. You know, the weather seems to be shaping up pretty well. So as long as it usually doesn't it's rain burning hot in Tulsa this time of year. So <laughs> it, it, as long as we don't float away, you know, it'll be good. So uh, it, it last weekend it rained its tail off in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. It rained really hard, and I think this is the first time I ever remember being at a car auction, even inside, and being able to hear the rain through the roof in this, sure. this event center, it just thundered down. 
And I took a couple pictures of it because it looked like there was a creek pouring out of the gutters. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it really came down. So hopefully, since most of your stuff sounds like it's outside. outside. All, finger, by most of it, all of it. Yeah, <laughs> fingers, crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed, man. I hope you stay dry and have sure. a good time. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, you know, we, we got Kits back in studio. It's always fun to have him here. Uh, you made it through the winter and through the cold and through your cold and all the other yeah, garbage. Yeah, it's uh, been an unusual uh, spring here, I guess, in Kansas City. It still hasn't ended. We haven't got the summer yet, so it's running late. Yeah, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm yeah, good with I'm that. Yeah, uh, I'm too. 75, it's like California with yeah, humidity. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, and we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk to Richard about all the great stuff he's got going on at Scarab Motorsports. We'll be right back with more Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Kansas City's historic West Bottoms. Uh, returning this week, we've got a friend of the show, Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports. Uh, Scarab was founded in 2004, and they became well-known for building the finest replicas of Scarab sports cars in existence. Uh, their first car premiered in 2008 at the 50th Scarab Reunion at Road Atlanta. Uh, the company has expanded its services and now builds various limited edition cars for customers, as well as one-off exact reproductions of existing historic race cars and sports cars. Most recently, Scarab Motorsports has undertaken the manufacture of a limited run of replicas based on the period hot rod known as the Troy Roadster, as well as their own Troy-based creation called the Indy Roadster. Uh, Richard, thanks for being on Driven Radio again. Uh, nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure. Um, so we all know about the Scarab sports cars that you've been building for years. Uh, tell us about the Troy Roadster project. When was it built? How many were made? And what makes it significant? Uh, basically, there was only one built. It was built by Wally Troy. And his idea was to create a car that was um, more or less a race car for the streets. And that's basically what he ended up with. Uh, it had a, a 350 Chevy in it, small block, um, and open wheel car. And, oh, really? Yeah, it was open wheel car. And uh, uh, the customer we're doing the project for uh, owns the original. He bought that um, probably two years ago, three years ago. And what he wanted to do was to do a limited series of uh, one that would represent that car. Uh, we actually have two models, if you will. Uh, we have the Indy Special, which is basically the same body shape, except for the from the back seat of the driver to the rear, it's more like a um, Curtis 500S or a lot like a Scarab okay. as a headrest. Uh, and then they're offering one uh, the same as the Troy, which was the same in the front except for the back doesn't have a headrest. And that's going to be more of a hot rod build. He's doing 33 of the Indy series, and they'll all be identical except for the customer would have a choice of um, uh, color paint, interior, um, wheel selection, either wires or the aluminum kidney beans. And uh, that's about it. Everything I keep pretty standardized on the series car. So what's the construction of the car? What's the chassis made from the body and everything else? Uh, well, this is the first time. We usually do 4130 chrome molly uh, on most of our cars, but this one's a uh, Docal R8, uh, which is new to us. It's been around probably for 15 or 20 years. 
it's kind of a unique material. It um, uh, you can weld pretty much anything onto it, and, oh, use no almost, and use almost any type of welding instrument. So we TIG weld everything. So we did that. It's a one and a quarter, or I'm sorry, one and a half inch uh, frame throughout. It's uh, uh, basically designed uh, by our engineer that I use out in California, Joe Scarbo of Joe Scarbo Performance. And uh, the body shape is identical. Everything else on it is pretty much uh, unique to this particular car. It's got lever action shocks. It has an LS3 uh, 500 horsepower engine, uh, Tremec six speed. Oh, wait. Yeah. LS3 500 horse yeah, and Tremec six speed. It's, what's it's the 495 horse is what they rate it, but we could probably get another. Five and, and what's out the of car weigh? Well, we're not sure yet, but it's probably. I'm going to guess it's going to be somewhere around 1950. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, so just shy of uh, 2,000 pounds and pushing yeah. 500 plus well, horse. It's like I was telling Vern earlier, it's got a big wheelbase. It's a 110 inch wheelbase. And the, the outside, I forget what the track That's just to keep it from spinning in yeah, circles. The, yeah, the track on it, uh, I forget what the track is because we measured the outside to outside front wheels, no, the rear wheels. They're a little bit wider by an inch or so, and it's uh, outside to outside on the wheels is 83 inches. So it's fairly wide and it's fairly it's long. It's real wide because it basically it can't get into a trailer over the uh, inside trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the window, the window. So we're building a rack that goes on top so you can put it on top. But um, but still, it's under it's sub two thousand pounds. Yeah, I think so. I could probably shave some more off of it if I needed to. Drill a few more holes. Yeah, drill a few more <laughs> holes. We got lightning holes everywhere, but uh, yeah. it's well done. Uh, my guys are doing a great job on it, and uh, we have um, uh, one that's uh, the prototype. Uh, that's Bob's car, and then we're doing um, uh, thirty three as we sell them out. We haven't got any for sale yet. We're uh, do you have orders already? Uh, no, he. Uh, he doesn't really want to do that till we have at least these next two completed on the okay. ground, which we will for Elkhart up at Road America. How long does it take to finish one, start to finish? Um, from when, if I have a body in, which is the bottleneck, if you will, they take a lot longer to fabricate the bodies than it is to build a car. But if I have a body and we're um, uh, scheduled to have two uh, for Elkhart, and then we have 10 other ones that'll be done by probably late September. Wow. Uh, but when we have the bodies in, um, I can get a car completed in uh, probably six months. Okay. So, something like that. It's well, not, that's not too bad. bad for bespoke oh, no, cars. I mean, no, it's as I tell people, it's a, what we specialize in is a custom car that's basically standardized. Okay. And uh, so there's a lot of custom parts on this, the frames. Uh, and the fellas I have that work on the uh, on just all the plumbing, the wiring, um, you know the uh, uh, the little details of that. I mean, we run through we run a lot of those lines perpendicular to the body tubes, so we have to cut and mount and put tubes in everywhere, so sure. it's not out over everything. Um, but it's it's pretty easy deal in a sense once you get through the prototype, which is what what we really specialize in. So. Going from the Troy Roadster to the Indy Roadster, what is the major difference there? Well, um, the way I do series car, like my FIA Scarab, there's 20 of them and that's it. That's okay. all you can get. Um, 
the only choice you get is what number do you want on it. The color's the same. Everything's the same. That's sure. a series car. So the Indy Special is going to be a series car. That's going to have the 495, this Tremec. Um, everything's the same. You'll get a wheel choice, color choice, and an interior, and that's it. So that's the Indy Special. So every one of those 33 will be virtually identical except for those, for those options. Um, the Troy Roadster is going to be more of a hot rod project. Okay. Uh, you can stick a 350 in it. You can stick a Ford if you're a Shelby guy. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want Shelby to put it. Shelby guys are yeah. weird. Yeah. And, um, it's true. you know, the original one was a drop axle in the front. Of course, this is going to be uh, the same frame and um, lever action shocks program that we use on the Indy Special. That'll be on the Troy. Okay. If somebody wants me to build a... Uh, a reproduction. Now, these are my definitions. A reproduction is not a continuation or a replica or anything. A reproduction is a car that is built reproducing the car as it was originally sure. built. So it's basically what I call an FIA standard car, even though it sure. may not qualify. Uh, it's a mirror of the original. Yeah, it's exactly the same. So um, if somebody wants us to build that, we can do that. Uh, but these new ones are basically a little bit more creature comfort, uh, better suspension. We have ATL fuel cells. Uh, so we have a lot of safety features, now, disc brakes and stuff like that. Both cars, both the Troy and the Indy Special, are going to be handcrafted alloy bodies like your scarabs and the right. other things you build? Yeah. 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 Okay. And – Say I came to you and I said, I want a Troy Roadster. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. um, six months? Yeah, depending on what you want. If you want something... Uh, really and, weird. Uh, yeah, something really weird. Um, um, Which, uh, let's be honest, we're talking about Brett here. Right, so yeah, gonna, so let's, could, just assume, could be, yeah, let's just assume yeah. it's going to be real, real weird. Strange. Um, I mean, most <laughs> depending, uh, there's only so much you can do to these cars, sure. basically, because uh, it's an open roadster. Now, if you say, well, I really want you to build me a hardtop, a removable hardtop, that may take some time. But uh, if we if we have the bodies, I mean, um, it just isn't that difficult but uh, uh once you have the it's pretty much 80 percent standardized let's say between the indy and the troy so you end up with pretty much 80 percent the same but you might stick a chevy 350 the original had two quads on it oh. so you might want something like that which we could do but that's not a, a big problem my engine builder does all custom work like that so six six months seven months unless you're really all right getting into you know you want uh you know giraffe skin seats or something crazy <laughs> like maybe that. like a five nine cummins or something then, you know, we'd sort uh, nice. that out. Yeah. yeah, I think you might want to rework that front geometry uh, <laughs> a little bit. Exactly. Uh, do you have a rough idea of a release date for potential customers? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping at Road America, uh, we're going to have two cars that uh, we don't have the bodies for. They're going to be possibly done by then, uh, but they won't be fitted. But if, um, if somebody at Road America... I uh, wanted to buy one of the two that we have for sale. Uh, Bob tends to like to have the cars finished. My, myself, not so much. I'll sell them to you as I can. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I would say those two cars up there will be for sale okay. and stuff. So, you know, somebody said, I really, I want this car and this is what I want on it. We can build that. That's, that's not a problem and stuff. So, and then we'll have another 10 bodies by September. So, uh, generally, um, yeah, that's you know, pretty short order. That's, yeah. 
that's coming quick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to Richard some more about uh, some of his other projects. He's got one coming up that's near and dear to my heart. I really, really, really want to hear a lot about this. A common ground for me and you. Uh, yeah, which is a rare. rare intersection <laughs> from our interests. Really, yeah. really, really rare. Uh, we'll be talking to Richard some more in just a minute here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Kansas City's historic West Bottoms. Uh, we're speaking to friend of the show and repeat offender guest <laughs> Richard Kitzmiller of uh, Scarab Motorsports, and he's telling us about all of his uh, all these really cool things he's building in his shop. And you're about to start doing something, Richard, that I I, I think. I found the target to sell all my stuff, something to shoot for. Uh, why don't you tell us about this project you've got coming up? Sure. Um, actually, it's the same customer that uh, did the Indy series. Uh, we're doing a new series, and it's the Scaletti 1959 Corvette. Um, <laughs> this, uh, and I didn't know much about this car because I'm not a Corvette guy per, per se. Um but it was built in 59, uh, Jim Hall, uh, and as Vern knows, Carol Shelby. Sure. And um, I think it's Laughlin or Laughlin. No, it was Gary Laughlin. Laughlin, yeah. He was uh, uh, from Texas. Uh, and I, I think he owned Chevy dealerships. Yeah, he had a dealership down there. I'm not sure exactly who he was. But these three got together and decided they were going to want to build a car to kind of compete with Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, so what they did, they... Um, uh, they sent three frames over to Italy, and Scaletti, who basically designed Ferraris at the time, uh, took about a year and a half or two years, and they got the first one back. Uh, and what he did was design a body that very, very similar to the uh, Tour de France Ferraris. Yeah. If you put them, so I have a picture of them side by side, and they're they're not really, that really close <laughs> and stuff. As I'm finding out, they used a lot of Maserati parts on this car too, by the Ol way. Ol Enzo was just thrilled about it. Oh, I'm he sure. was thrilled. He thought, he said, just oh. build as many as you want yeah. Uh -huh. and stuff. Right. He after, was known for being very <laughs> benevolent. benevolent well, at the, at the time, Scaletti was building all the Ferrari bodies and uh, pretty sure Enzo said, if you make one for more. them, you, wake, you make no, no more, more for, for me. me. Yeah. <laughs> so they ended up with that. And of course, GM got their nose into it also and decided that they weren't going to do the production of them, but he ended up with three cars. Yeah. Uh, one's in the Peterson and one uh, up until recently was owned by a guy in Arizona, wasn't it? Well, i tell you the truth. I'm not sure who owned the other two. Uh, there was, uh, I talked to one owner uh, uh, in San Diego that he owned the Peterson car at one point. It's, they've all gone through several ownerships since that time. Um, but they built three of them, and it's a touring car. It's not a um, FIA certified car because no, it's more raced. of a GT car, isn't it? It's a GT. It's a it's a touring car. It looks very very similar to um, the Tour de France, uh, to uh, the um, Shelby era. They do have those little vents in the back of the C pillar, yeah. So it looks it's, it's an it Italian, looks like a Mustang. In the it's back. an Italian luxury GT without all the service bills. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, small block, small block Chevy fix yeah. it with a hammer. And it was interesting because they had um, uh, out of the three cars, it was quite a combination 
of what they had and did not have. Uh, one of them had roll-up windows. The other two did not. Oh, really? Yeah. Were they sliding or just fixed? <laughs> they were fixed as far as I know. They were fixed. Wow. Uh, because I couldn't see anything on the, at least the pictures and research. No AC. You kind of pick and choose your warm days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and one had, uh, the very first one had a fuelie, uh, uh fuel injection system in Rochester and had a four-speed. The other ones were carbureted with automatics. Oh, so there's a lot of odd deals going on. That there. is interesting. Yeah, and then they did replace in the 80s. Um, they did a major uh, restoration on one of them, and they um, uh, put front disc brakes on them yeah. instead of the drum brakes. Now, our car is going to be um, – We'll take some liberties, not not a lot, but I am putting roll-up windows in every one. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's uh, good. Yeah, well, that's nice of you. Yeah, it is. The owners you know, will appreciate that. Well, yeah, because you're not going to buy the car unless your girlfriend or wife likes it, and she's not going to like it with no roll-up windows. And uh, I've got to talk to uh, – um, and I can't remember. You know, you could go full-on Porsche, and you could offer – to delete the roll-up windows for at an, an extra, extra cost. cost. At an extra yeah. cost, right. That's Charge they, them more for less. Yes, that's gonna, what they did on all the, That's gonna, what they did on all the RSs and RSRs. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It cost you more to get rid of a legitimate <laughs> door handle and get a, a fabric strap. Yeah, a nylon strap on yeah, the door. Yeah. Exactly. And um, we're going to probably go ahead and do a vintage air in there, you know, just because yeah. it's a touring car. Um and we're probably we're going to standardize the brakes. They'll be the same as on the Corvette. We're doing the first one, the prototype, um, basically to what I call FIA standard. So it's going to be so a it's going to be nuts. a recreation. Exactly, it's going to be a reproduction of the original. And now, then we'll kind of see what the market is for it, as far as what, like when you put your order in, whether you're going to order <laughs> AC or roll-up windows or whatever, what color. He's going to select the $10,000 roll-up window. Roll yeah. exactly. you, you don't want an old Impala, do you? We might work as a trader. Yeah, the trader. Uh, <laughs> you said you're going to build these on uh, solid axle Corvette frames. Yeah, I have right now. We're probably going to send, um, I think we're going to do four. Uh, this summer, I've got three frames. Well, I got two that are absolutely gorgeous frames. Everything's on them, all original. Um, and then I've got two other frames I can make a really nice frame out of. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one I'll probably keep, which is, it's acceptable, but not really for the way I build cars. Um, and I'll use that as kind of a, a mule at the shop to fit stuff up on and stuff. So we'll send over four frames and do four bodies because uh, it's unlike the Scarab or the DBR1 I did or uh, uh, of that era because they were all basically Zeus fitted on. This is a uh, a coupe, uh, which yep. is different than what we usually do. Um, it is and, a first for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a first coupe. Um, it makes it very difficult because the engineering itself doubled right off the bat just to do the doors. To give you an idea, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking some some extra dollars here. So. Yeah. Um, We'll get that done, and then, uh, but they're attached to the frame. Uh, it's like sure. a, a body, so uh, we'll have the uh, have them built to the frames themselves, so that we get that accurate. We're speaking with Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports about the upcoming Corvette Scaglietti project they're working on. Oh man, I just want to see one finished. That's going to be so cool. So standard solid axle corvettes especially 58 to 60 and possibly to 62 i'd have to yeah. check are all right around 2900 pounds are is that about where you're shooting or is this going to be a little bit lighter with the alloy body or do you know how this is going to go uh from 
My understanding, just reading the research that's out there on there, I think they saved about 400 pounds on the car no total kidding. because of the alloy body. I mean, the alloy body, to give you an, an idea, my scarab, now this will be heavier because it's got glass and it's got a sure. top and yeah. so forth. But my aluminum body on the scarab, um, I don't think it's... I think it's, you know, I should weigh it probably. It's maybe 50 pounds, 75 pounds. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you got a wow. 60, you got a 65,000, you know, skin on this thing. Yeah. If you wadded it all up, you'd have a couple of cases of beer cans maybe. And that's about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. you know. Yeah. But this had, this will be a little heavier. But uh, I think what I read is that you were going to be about 400 pounds lighter. So you're thinking around 2,500, maybe 2,600 pounds tops? Yeah, I think probably somewhere in that there. That doesn't take a lot of power to move no, those. No, you know, and of course the engines aren't like today, you know, not 500. These are, you probably know more about the uh, but 59 Corvette, you know, 200, probably 300 horsepower maybe. Yeah, but it, it's, a two, <clears throat> it's a 283. You can do a lot with those and they're fairly well bulletproof. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a 283 on the um, FIA car originally and when I my engine builder do it, um, and he was putting a little too much compression that I went on, but he had that thing up to 525 horsepower. <laughs> and uh, that's with a manual injection system. I said, that's oh, a wow. I said, Eric, that's a little too much. And uh, so we dropped it down to, um, I think it was about 10, 10 and a half or something. And we were at around four and a quarter, which is what the original Scarabs ran out at. And that's, stuff, so. that's still a ton. Oh, yeah. Man, that's... No, yeah. This is, this is going to be an interesting It'll car. move. And it's a GT car anyway. So, yeah, I know, you know, but that'll be fun to have under your foot. You yeah. drive your Scaglietti to the racetrack, then you get in your Scarab and then race, on the yeah, racetrack. Yeah, you go racing. Yeah, yeah. You have your man load the Scarab up in yeah, the trailer, yeah. and then you drive the uh, well, Scaglietti. Well, and, and in the meantime, you look like King Stud of the Universe. Yeah. There you go. It's it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting project. Uh, the car is gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful design. It and, is. Uh, What's your time frame on this? Um, well, we've got the uh, probably Joe. I just sent them out a box full of them. A lot of the parts, the door handles, the door lock, the um, uh, what else? The tail lights, the front lights, were all Maserati 3500s. Oh, really? They're off of Maserati. I well, those are just laying around everywhere. They, they should are. Be easy yeah, we to just find. got. We had Sergio, my my partner <laughs> Beth, has an Italian connection. That's we have a set of original tail lights that came in. I just sent them out to Joe so he can put them on the CAD. But we've got the body design, the skin of it, which is what we start with, and that's done right now, except for putting in the tail lights in the right place and stuff like that. There were a lot of them, <laughs> Italian manufacturers who kind of parts bend similar parts. From different oh, yeah, things. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering if any of these could be picked out of a Fiat parts bin, might be a little cheaper. Well, actually, um, the tail lights came off of a Maserati of a uh, was it a Fiat or was it an Alpha? But it was a, there's two or three cars that used them. So it's basically kind of a, a beehive, it's a four, four, and of course, it's metric, so it's four and five sixteenths inch diameter with the bezel, sure, and it's about um. Two or three inches deep, and okay. it's like a beehive that's cut off. And they used them on on that. Like I say, I'm just hoping that all those little ancillary parts, parts. aren't just killing yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Let me tell you, just the tail light sections. A new repo is like nine hundred and sixty bucks mm, yeah. <laughs> just for the four uh -huh. lights. Wow. Uh, do you know what your time frame is on this? You know when they might be well, ready. Well, uh, I was hoping around the beginning of the year, but uh, oh, that, that's probably not going to work. I think uh, we'll probably send over four frames. 
uh, sometime this summer, and I would expect that we'd have the first, um, we'll have the plug done and the tooling probably by around the end of the year I'm shooting for. And I think um, we were hoping to maybe get something in for Amelia in March of next year. But by next summer this time, I'll have one of them as a roller at least that is, at that point. That is so cool. You know, everything that comes out of your shop is really cool to start with. It just is. But I'm truly you're, excited you're to see what it, Yeah, <laughs> you got me now. Yeah. We've been speaking with Richard Kitzmiller of Scarab Motorsports. Uh, you can find Scarab Motorsports online at www.scarabmotors.com or www.scarab-motorsports.com and on Facebook at forward slash Scarab Motorsports. Uh, of course, you can find the links to uh, Scarab Motorsports on readthedriven.com. Richard, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for anytime. coming. And uh, we're, we'd love to have you back and talk more about sure. all the cool stuff you're doing. Great, anytime. Uh, coming up next, we've got Rob Howard, owner of KC Auto Care and Accessories. We'll be speaking with him about car detailing, supplies, ceramic coatings, and all kinds of other good stuff. All that and more coming up on Driven Radio. This week on Exit Lane Live, our guest is Rob Howard, owner of Casey Auto Car Care and Accessories. Uh, the company was founded in 2000 as a used car dealership selling Offley's import and sports cars. They also detailed cars, sold auto parts and accessories, collectible die-cast models, and automotive gifts online. Six years later, the company shifted their focus, selling off the dealership and restructuring as a warehouse and online operation. In 2014, they opened a retail store in Lenexa and continued selling online, but this summer they will be expanding to an adjacent space, doubling their footprint. Rob, sounds like you're doing something right. Welcome to Driven Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, there have been some really giant shifts in auto detailing in just the last five to six years. What's the single biggest change you've seen, you've seen and what are the effects of it? Uh, probably the biggest changes we've seen is uh, moving away from the traditional carnauba waxes and moving into more the of the nano sealants and ceramic coatings. Um, so what is a ceramic coating? What does it do? Um, you know, basically a ceramic coating is, is a liquid polymer that's, you know, it provides protection um, and gloss superior to what you're going to find with a wax. Uh, the longevity of the the ceramic coatings is fantastic. Uh, we're talking, you know, they last years instead of months. Um, basically, the ceramic coating provides a sacrificial layer for your clear coat. Um, it's very hydrophobic and uh, just leaves your car a lot cleaner, easier to maintain. Um, you know, for example, like when you get, of course, here in Kansas right now, you get a lot of bugs on your car. Uh, this time of year, they literally just, most of them just rinse right off. Oh, cool. Uh, you might have to wipe over it with a sponge, but there's not going to be any scrubbing. Um, uh, you know, a ceramic coating will still scratch and swirl, but your clear coat's not affected. It's saving your the clear coat on your car. So. Are there any disadvantages to ceramic coatings? 
Uh, probably the biggest disadvantage is the, the prep and application process is really time consuming. Uh, you can't really skip any steps or take any shortcuts and expect to get good results with a ceramic coating. Um, if you mess up when applying the ceramic coating, you're basically going back and breaking out your, your random orbital polisher and compound to get the coating off. That's the only way that it's going to come off. Um, you still have some minor maintenance, you know, using a good car wash soap on a regular basis. Uh, every six months or so, you need to wipe it down with a, you know, a special uh, detail uh, spray to give it a, you know, the, the finish, a gloss boost. Um, uh, but that's about it. So it sounds like there's a little bit more involved in the prep than there would be as opposed to your average wax or polish. Uh, how much prep is involved? What do you have to do? And what's the learning curve for applying this kind of thing? Um, to actually apply the coating is really, really easy. It's, it's almost easier than applying wax. Um, you, you, you basically just have to wipe it on, wait for the product to flash or bond to the surface, which usually takes anywhere from, depending on the product, 30 seconds to a minute and a half. And then you just take a microfiber towel and wipe it off. We call it leveling the product. Um, and you work in small sections to get good results. The, the, the big thing behind the ceramic coating that, that uh, makes it time-consuming is the prep work involved to get the, you know, your clear coat or your, your paint in good condition to apply ceramic coating on it because you're basically applying that coating and it's anything you have there, like any swirls or scratches or anything, are going to be sealed in. So you want to, oh, okay. you know, do a full paint correction and take all that out before you put that coating on. All right. So, I'm. Can you use this on any car, or does it have to have to be specifically cars with two stage paint, or can you use it on older cars with single stage paint, so long as the finish is decent? Um, when you when you get into you know some of your old classic cars with like lacquer finishes and stuff, sometimes the the solvents don't play together very well so you can end up with some smearing or, or streaking with it um uh, any any new single stage paint any newer single stage paint or clear coat two stage paint um they're perfect on but uh some of your some of your older stuff um, the, and there's been guys out there that have applied it to you know lacquer finishes in the past and it goes on perfect and they don't have any problem but every once in a while you'll run into something that's that's funny. And general general my general rule of thumb is I prefer um, ceramic coatings on newer cars like daily drivers. Um, I've got a car that doesn't get driven very much, um, stays in the garage a lot, doesn't get out in the elements that much, uh, and I still prefer a good coat of carnauba wax on that. So, but you know, there's a lot of guys out there that put you know ceramic coatings on the classics. One of the services you offer through uh, KC Auto Car Care and Accessories is a class that teaches how to apply ceramic coatings. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, You know, basically we, we are very big into educating the customer on, on, you know, techniques and tips um, on a daily basis. I mean, I spent this afternoon talking to three different customers basically at three different levels of experience. Um, uh, you know, they had 
all different kinds of questions about how to use products, different products that we have. Um, we think that's very important to take the time with somebody that walks in that wants to buy a product like that and uh, uh, educate them on how to use it properly. Um, this fall, when we move into our new location, we're going to be um, actually having classes that you know will people sign up for uh, everything from car wash technique, you know, proper car wash technique, not to scratch your car, to you know, ceramic coating and polishing classes. We're speaking with Rob Howard, owner of KC Auto Care, uh, Car Care and Accessories. Um, so you teach people how to detail their cars and how to use the products you sell. What are the, some of the brands and uh, of detailing supplies you carry? What is it you've got in your store? Um, we stock about you know, a little over 400 detailing items uh, wow. from all, all kinds of manufacturers like CarPro, uh, Gion, G-Technique, Optimum. Um, we're a Rupes polisher distributor. Uh, we carry... Uh, Boyd Coddington Detail Garage products. He's Boyd Coddington Jr. is actually local here in Kansas City, so we're we're happy to work with him and and uh, work with his products. Grios Garage is another uh, big name. A lot of people are familiar with. We carry more Grios Garage products than anybody else in Kansas City. So, and something that most people probably don't realize is, in addition to all of the detailing uh, products you carry. And you also have some auto accessories in your car and your store. Tell us about some of the other cool stuff you've got for collectors, and especially with Father's Day coming, uh, some of the gift items you might have. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're, we, we sell a lot of accessories. We, we're a WeatherTech distributor, um, WeatherTech formats. We, we carry Husky liners, Canon filters, um, Lloyd. Uh, carpeted mats, the custom fit uh, embroidered mats we carry. Uh, we carry a lot of truck accessories, everything from toenail covers to running boards. Um, uh, a lot of the gift type items we have uh, are we, we carry a, a whole a whole bunch of uh, automotive T-shirts, uh, diecast collector cars. Oh, cool! Um, we have uh, we, we carry anywhere at any time. We have. Four to five hundred different diecast cars, ranging in you know scale from one sixty fourth to you know the matchbox size, all the way up to one uh, eighteenth scale and one twelfth scale. That, oh, those you know, that's... measure over ten inches long. So um, we have a great selection of those. We also have a lot of neat automotive related gifts, like uh, a real popular item right now. We carry brake caliper. Uh, business card holders oh. on your desk looks like a little brake caliper. That's cool. Um, kind of a neat item, but a lot of a lot of unique things like that you usually don't find in, in most stores around here. So. so listen up, folks, for the gearhead in your life. You've got someplace new to go shop. It's uh, you need to be talking to Rob Howard of Casey Auto Car Care and Accessories. They're located at one twenty ten. West 87th Street in Lenaxa, Kansas. You can reach them at 913-422-5126 or at sales at kcautoacc.com. You can find them on Facebook at forward slash kcautocarcare or online at www.kcautoacc.com. Of course, you can find all of these links on readthedriven.com. Rob, thanks for being with us here on Driven Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, follow us on Facebook at Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vernestus. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.